0: We thank you that you fill us with the Holy Spirit. And we pray now, as we open your word, that you would guide and direct us and fill us again with the Holy Spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What do you do with a message? If you're like me, you often forget that message. Um, I just have a bad habit of this. Um, Oftentimes, people will say to me, oh, say hi to your wife when you see her. And I say, sure, and I have every intention of saying hi to Christine when I see her again. Uh, And Christine's actually not here right now. She must have gone off into the nursery. But if she were here, I was gonna tell her, Christine, oh, there you are. Uh, Pretty much everybody in church at one point or another has said to say hi to you, so hi, Christine, from everybody. Um, Just in the last week or two, uh, Vicki Jensen and Joanna Hoffman have said to say hi to you, so I now relay that message to you. I have forgotten them. Um, Boy, uh, there are lots of things that I forget to do. One of the funny things that I forget to do in my house is um, sometimes we fold our laundry on our main level, but then it goes upstairs into where where our bedrooms are. And Christine will often say to me, on your way up to bed, would you just grab a laundry basket? And I say, sure thing, no problem. And and it really is no problem. I mean, it's just a laundry basket. I can do it. But how many times in a row do I forget to carry up that laundry basket? So now when she asks me, she usually just laughs like... (laughs) you're probably not going to remember but if you do would you take up the laundry basket now it's, it's not that I'm trying to be disobedient or you know I'm not trying to be forgetful it's just that I honestly don't remember now those sorts of messages on the scale of importance they may be a little bit lower but what if it was a little bit more of an important message like what if the message was Eric you need to pick up Josiah after school and take him to the dentist or something the bus is not going to pick him up you need to pick him up what if I forgot that one And and what if Josiah was just sitting at school for like an hour waiting for me to pick him up? Or what if the message was something like, if you don't fix the foundation of your house, it's going to collapse? Now that would be an important message. I would hope that I would not forget that one. What about messages from God? How do you do with those messages? Now, we're going through this sermon series in the book of Haggai. It's a little book in the Old Testament, only two chapters long. We only have two Sundays left, so again, I invite you to be reading and rereading this little book on your own as we study through this sermon series. And just to recap a little bit of what we've already looked at, the temple was in ruins. The temple was a really important building in the Old Testament. It was the place where God said he would meet with his people But the temple was laying in ruins during the time of of Haggai. So for the people to let the temple stay in ruins was basically the same thing as them saying to God, we don't care about your presence being with us. So it wasn't just a matter of a building being in disrepair. It was a heart issue. There was something wrong in the hearts of the people so that they did not rebuild this temple so that they couldn't meet with God. And because their hearts needed to be changed, God sent a messenger, Haggai, with a message for them that he expected them to listen to. So one of the key questions to ask in the book of Haggai as you're going through it is, will the people listen to this message from God? Last Sunday we looked at the message from God and we just kind of left it hanging. And the question, will they listen? Will they rebuild the temple like God had asked them to? Now what about us? Like I've already mentioned in our communion time, In the New Testament, we don't need a physical temple building. That was an Old Testament deal. That was the way that God met with his people in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the reality is that we who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord are the temple. That means that the place that God meets with us is among us, in our hearts. So if we are the temple, then we need to take careful notice. How is the temple doing? Or we could ask it this way. How is your relationship with God doing? Is it in disrepair, like the temple in Haggai's day? Or are you doing well? Are you worshiping the Lord the way that you should? Those are important questions. And if God had a message for you about your relationship with him, would you listen? So I I think that even though what we're looking at is an Old Testament lesson about a physical temple that needed to be rebuilt, there are wonderful applications that we can learn about how our our relationship with God is going. So today we're going to look at the last four verses of Haggai 1, and I'm going to point out three key words from them and then one key phrase from the passage. So Haggai 1, verses 12 through 15. uh, If you don't have your Bible with you, it's in the bulletin. Haggai one twelve. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheolthiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the twenty-fourth day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So again, three key words for you. And the first of those keywords, and the clicker just went out again. Is that possible? Huh? We'll see. Uh, we're working on that issue. We're, we're getting it fixed. So we'll see if it works again here. There we go. Thank you, Todd. Uh, the first key word is obey. And I want to reread for you the, the first part of verse 12 again. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Now technically speaking, the word here is hear, uh, not necessarily obey, but it's kind of easy to understand where the word obey comes from, and most translations rightly so use the word obey because it's not just about the physical process of the sound hitting the eardrums, that's not what God wanted. He didn't want them just to hear his word, he wanted them to act on it. So parents, it's like the difference between you saying to your kid, clean your room, and your kid's actually cleaning your room. And, and kids, let me ask you a question. If your parents go to you and say to you, clean your room, and then three hours later they come up to you and say, uh, I asked you to clean your room, and you say to them, I heard you. How good is that? Does that work? No. no. <laughs> Matt, you're not a kid. Come on, you can't answer. What? Went through this yesterday, through this yesterday with Matt? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, kids, what, what's a better answer? Yes, I heard you and... I did it, and I obeyed. See, the word obey in this verse means that the people actually intended to do what God asked them to do. And specifically, it says that they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him. Now, that's interesting to me. The word of God came through a prophet, through a human being. It was was just a human who said it, but the people accepted it as the word of God. Now, prophets didn't always receive such a warm welcome, right? You don't have to read the Old Testament very far to see people disobeying the word of the prophet. But here, they listened to the prophet. And that was one of the main ways, actually, in the Old Testament that God communicated to his people was to send a prophet to give a message to the people so that they could listen and obey. God expected them to do that. And it's pretty interesting. Even in this short book of Haggai, only 38 verses long, I didn't count this myself, I just read this from somebody else, but they said 29 times in 38 verses we read that the word of the Lord came to the people. So God had a message for them. He expected them to obey. And that's a very simple point. But let's talk about us for a moment. How do we respond to God's word? Are you putting yourself in a position to hear God's word? And when you hear from God... Do you obey what he has said? A verse that's coming, been coming up repeatedly for me lately is this one from Isaiah 66, the second half of verse 2, where the Lord says, This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. It's one thing to hear God's word. You know, maybe you come to church or you open up your Bible and, and you let the The sound waves bounce off your eardrums, but it's another thing to obey them. And I love this word, trembling, here. The idea that the, the, the posture that we should have as we come before God is that of trembling at his word, and when we hear from it, we should be thinking, what can I do to follow what my God has revealed to me? There's another very similar verse in the New Testament, in James 1 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. When, when I preached through the book of James five years ago, that was the verse that I picked out as the key verse for the whole book. It's, it's, isn't it great? Don't just listen. Do what it says. Now, for those of us who have been walking with God for a while, there's a danger. And I think it's a danger that we all know. The danger is that we would become so comfortable with God's word that we wouldn't let it change our hearts. You ever felt that before? I've even heard my uh, seven-year-old say it. Oh, I've heard that before. So what about us? We who've been walking with the Lord for a while. Do we continue to let the word of God have its intended effect on our hearts? The word of God is living and active. It is not just like a TV show that we say, oh, I've seen that one before. It is meant to change our hearts So for those of you that have been walking for a while, maybe it's even a little bit more difficult not to just listen to the Word, but to also do what it says. So let's not just hear God's Word, let's do it. Because the truth is, either we will obey God's Word now, or we will be judged by it later. And think about that, for those of us who've heard it for a while. We know it. We're even saying in our minds, oh yeah, I've heard that. We're responsible for doing what it says. Okay, so I have two points of application then in this regard. The first point is, put yourself in a position to hear God's word. A couple of tips on that. One would be read your Bible. God in his mercy has given us his word in written form in our hands. We have it right in front of us. One of the very first things I remember as I started to walk with God was this idea that, wow, if God has given his word to me, then I want to get to know it. And I made a commitment very early on to spend time every day reading the Bible. And and it's been a good thing for me. And I I try to do it. I I don't always do it. But I want to do it with an attitude of prayer and with an attitude of trembling before God. But then also, I would encourage you to... To put yourself in a position where you will hear other people teach the Word of God to you. That means go to a Bible preaching church, and uh, I, I'd recommend Cornerstone in that regard because we preach the Bible here. And I've told you all before: if I ever stray from that, let me know or kick me out, one or the other. Uh, preferably, talk to me first about it. But um, yeah. And then also things like going to a Bible study. Um, We've got Bible studies here at Cornerstone where there are leaders who can teach you the Word. We have some wonderful leaders of our Bible studies here. Uh, And if you'd like some info on those small group Bible studies, come and talk to me. I'd be glad to point you in in that direction. So put yourself in a position to hear God's Word, but then also obey. Whatever you hear from God, do it. If God has a message for you, don't just say, okay, yep, God, I heard it. Let's actually do what God tells us to do. And this is how our faith grows, by the way. When we put ourselves in a position to hear from God, and when we we respond with the humility and the obedience to actually do what God tells us to do, our faith is strengthened. That is the way that it works. So if you want your faith to grow, listen to God's word and do what it says. Make that the pattern of your life. God is honored when we walk with him that way. Okay, second key word in our passage today is fear. At the end of verse 12 it says, and the people feared the Lord. Now it's altogether possible to hear a message from someone, but not to do it because either you don't respect the person who said it or you don't believe the person who said it. Now a story from my life along those lines, I've told this here before, but I I really like this one. Uh, I was at my friend's house, I was probably about fourth grade, and I was at my friend's house and I was helping him move which uh, you, know, su- not surprisingly, they sent us to his bedroom and said, "Why don't you pack up the toys?" And so the adults were doing the real work, and us kids were in his room playing with and packing up the toys. And I saw that my friend had a pair of handcuffs, and uh, I picked up those handcuffs with kind of a smile, and my friend said, "Don't put those on. I don't have the key." <laughs> and I kind of looked at him and I'm like, "Yeah right, right. I'm quick and put it on thankfully I only put it on one arm because my friend then looks at me and says why did you do that I really don't have the key and at that moment I bore in my body the penalty of my own sin and I was in that handcuff and he did not have the key and I'm like great now what do I do the rest of my life you're gonna have a handcuff on my hand that will be good um, but thankfully my friend was MacGyver and uh, he got a, the metal part off of a clothespin and took that thing in there and got it out but uh, the problem it took a while though um, The problem was that I did not fear those handcuffs the way that I should have. I thought, oh, toy toy handcuffs, come on. No problem. But that's not the way it worked. Now, we're talking about fear, and the question we have is, should we fear God? Should we? Well, the simple answer is that the Bible says, yes, we should fear God. Now, some of you might be thinking about a verse in the New Testament. I, I'm sure most of you, right? You're thinking about 1 John 4:18. It just popped right into your mind. Well, um, maybe some of you are thinking it says there is no fear in love, and it says perfect love drives out fear. Now, some people might look at that verse and say, well, wait a second. If God loves us, does that mean that there's supposed to be no fear? Well, if you look at that verse in its context, John is talking about the fear of judgment, the fear of not getting to spend eternity with God. Now, praise the Lord in Jesus Christ. We do not have to have that kind of fear. Because Jesus died for our sins, anyone who receives him as Savior and Lord can have complete forgiveness of our sins. That is, if we recognize before God that we're sinners, if we come before him and confess our sins and say, God, I'm sorry, would you please forgive me? And if we give our lives to Jesus, recognizing that he is Lord, he is Master, then we are forgiven and we need not fear death. We need not fear hell because God doesn't want us to live in that fear of what will happen to us because he sent Jesus for us. Having said that, even so, the New Testament does repeat several times that we should still fear God. One of them, 1 Peter 2.17, it says, Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the King. I could point out to you about six others in the New Testament where it, it tells us that we are still supposed to fear God. Now, we don't need to fear death. We don't need to fear the things of this life. all the things that could go wrong. We do not need to fear those. We don't even need to fear Satan because God is stronger. But we should fear God. Obeying God and fearing God go hand in hand. Those are my first two points today. Um, It's one thing to hear a message from somebody, but if we don't respect the person who's giving it, we might not obey. The fear of God, rightly understood, is that we should do what he says, because doing otherwise would not only be disobedient, but it would also be bad for us. Everything that God tells us is good for us. Um, The things that he wants us to do are good for us. So we should fear him and obey him, and positively, This kind of fear reminds us to keep seeking God. This kind of fear reminds us, oh yeah, I better meet with God. I dare not go too long without meeting with God because I need to hear from Him, to hear what He has for me. This kind of fear helps us to turn away from sin. Um, I want to show this to you from a couple of Old Testament verses. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses reminded the people of God's commands for them. And when God gave His commands, do you remember this scene? He's and the people are around the mountain and they hear the voice of the Lord and you remember how, what, how the people responded they were terrified and they said to Moses I'm paraphrasing here but they said to Moses um, Moses we like uh, that God has given us his word but we don't like hearing his voice Moses would you please go and meet with God hear what he says tell it to us and then we will obey but don't let us hear his voice again because we think we might die if we do how do you think God responded to that It's pretty amazing, actually. In Deuteronomy 5.29, God said, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. God saw that the people feared him, and he thought, that's the way they should respond. Another similar verse in Exodus, actually the, the same context, just in a different book of the Bible. The message there is, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Isn't that interesting? In the same verse, do not be afraid, but the fear of God is supposed to be with them. Why? To keep them from sinning. You see, having a proper fear of God helps us to stay away from sin. I hope you know that. I hope that one of the reasons that you when you're tempted to sin that one of the reasons that you say I don't want to sin right now is because I don't want to cross the Lord I don't want to set myself up on the wrong side of Him and in that sense we should keep this fear even I heard one theologian say, call it a terror of the Lord it's like a parent yelling at their child get out of the street that the child might then come to the parent and say why did you yell at me Well, and the parent would just say, because you were in danger. And you need to have proper fear uh, for the street, but also proper fear for the parent. That a child is supposed to listen to what their parent says. So to fear God, it means to respect him as God. And if you were to ask most Christians, that's what they would say. In fact, you might want to try this out. You might want to go to some of your Christian friends and say, what does it mean to fear God? I bet most of them would say it means to respect God, and it does mean that but it also means to fear Him. It also means to carry with us this sense of, I do not want to disobey God because I would be concerned about what would happen if I did. Our God is the judge. Now we know that we don't need to fear judgment because He sent Jesus Christ, but even still, we shouldn't want to do those things that God has said we shouldn't do. And again, positively speaking, this kind of fear of the Lord helps us to remember to keep seeking God. So application point here. Is there anything in your life right now that's dishonoring God? We should have this fear of God such that we don't want to dishonor or disobey him. So is there anything going on in your life right now that if God were to just kind of show up next to you and say, hey, what's that all about, you would know is not right? When we sin, it shouldn't feel right because we're dishonoring the Lord of lords. So having a proper fear of the Lord will help us to flee from sin. Now, when we sin, we know that we can come to God. He loves us. And and we can come to Him for forgiveness. But we should also remember that it's a bad deal for us to disobey God. It doesn't go well for us when we do. And like Isaiah 66, too, said, God esteems those who tremble at His word. So let's respect God so much that we fear him rightly. Okay, the third key word here is the word work. Look at verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Husbands, let me ask you a question. What is still left on your honeydew list? Uh, you, you husbands all have a honey-do list? Your wife is your honey, and sometimes she tells you to do something, and then it goes on your list, and if you're like me, things uh, go on that list quicker than they go off it, and sometimes things on that list stay on that list for a little too long. Now, one of the reasons for that may be that if something comes on my honey-do list, maybe I don't share the same passion that Christine has for that, and, and I realize that she's told me to do it, but I just, I don't know if I'm actually going to get around to that one, and that, maybe that's not right of me. Uh, But sadly, another reason why sometimes some of these things stay on my list um, is because I have good intentions of doing it, but I don't actually get around to doing it. How many times has Christine said to me, would you pick up milk on your way home? And I say, sure, it's no problem. And again, it really is no problem to pick up the milk on my way home. But I forget. So have have I honored my wife when I say, sure, I'll get the milk? and I come home and I don't have the milk? No! However good my intentions have been at that moment, I didn't actually do the thing that I said I would do. Now, our first key word today is obey, but it's not obedience until you do it. God's message for the people, like we saw last Sunday in the first chapter of Haggai, was that they were to rebuild the temple. And praise the Lord, in verse, 50, uh, verse 14, the people actually did it. They got to work. Again, one of the, kind of, the few times we see this in the Old Testament where so quickly that people respond with obedience to God's message. And, and that, that says something about us, right? That we're not always great at obedience. But here, they did it right. Um, and one thing i just like to say about work, oftentimes obeying God takes effort. Oftentimes we say to God that we love him and we want to follow him. But do we actually do the things that he tells us to do? And this is a heart issue. Because remember, in Haggai's day, it wasn't just the fact that the temple lay in ruins. It wasn't just a construction issue. It was a heart issue about the people not caring about whether they could go and meet with God. So for us, the idea of following God's commands is a heart issue as well. It's one thing to say we love God, but if we're not going to do what he asks us to do... What kind of love is that? God wanted them to get to work on the temple, and they did. So this third keyword is actually really simple. Do what God says. And my application point here, what work do you need to put into your relationship with God? If you were to assess your relationship with God right now, is there anything about your relationship that you would say is lacking? Is there anything that you have heard from God, things that you know that you should be doing, but that right now, if you were honestly to look at your life, you would say, you know what? I'm not really doing that one very well. Maybe it has to do with how regularly you come into a place like church and worship with other believers and listen to God's word. Maybe it has to do with how you're not reading the Bible the way that you say you want to. Because again, it's, it's one thing to have a Bible reading plan. It's another thing to do it. So what is it for you? Are there some things in your walk with God that you actually need to like, get up and get to work on? And, and be honest with God here. Ask Him to show you. And then what about us as a church? Are there things that God is telling us to do but that we haven't gotten around to doing? Is God giving us a message that we've just kind of said, sure, sure, yeah, we get that? Or that we're not even listening, that we're, we're too busy doing our other stuff as a church and we haven't heard what he's said? What is it that we as a church need to be about? How do we get answers to these questions? Well, one tip is that prayer is a huge part of this. Prayer is a great way to humble ourselves before God and to say to God, God, what do you want me to do? God, I'm listening, what... What is it in my life that is lacking? Is there something that I'm pretending to obey but not actually obeying? God, would you just show me? And then one other tip in regard to the word work. Uh, Working with God working for God is something that you can even do at your work. When I saw this word work come up, I thought, you know what, I should just talk to you guys a little bit about what it's like for you to go to your work or to go to your school. And what does it mean there? to walk with God and to honor Him with what you're doing. Well, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So as you're working, as you're crunching numbers, as you're sending out emails, as you're talking with your coworkers, or at school, as you're listening to your teachers, as you're doing your homework, you can do that all for the glory of God, recognizing that everything we do in life is spiritual. And that we can meet with God even as we work by honoring God with the way that we do our work. Okay, so those are our three key words. We've got obey, fear, and work. And like I said, there's one more phrase that I want to point out to you now. And it, can't, it comes because Haggai hey came to the people and said, hey, I've got another message for you. Hey, guys, it's me, Haggai. Hey uh, thank you for laughing at that one. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't laugh. It just makes me try to do it again. But um, <laughs> <laughs> do you say Christine wasn't laughing? Or <laughs> <Rolled her eyes. laughs> what? Roll the eyes. eyes. Yes, yes. They say behind every great man there's a woman rolling her eyes, and I say I've got half of that down. So, um, so Hagai comes up to the people again and says I've got another message for you. And I wonder what they were thinking. Like oh no, last time you came you told us that God wanted us to rebuild the temple. What are you going to say now? Does God want us to build him a boat or something? Uh, But actually the message this time was really encouraging, and it's in verse 13, and I'm going to put the key phrase up there, I am with you. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people, I am with you, declares the Lord. Remember, the whole point of the temple was that God wanted to be with his people. He set that up as the place that he would meet with them, and the people let it fall into ruin and wouldn't get to rebuilding it. But God's heart was to meet with them, to be with them, to strengthen them. God desires to be with his people. And that's true today. Maybe you feel like God is distant. Maybe you feel like God isn't being as good to you as he could be. But the truth is that God loves you and wants to be with you. I hope you know that. And look what it says in verse 14. It says the Lord stirred up the spirit of the people. God not only told the people what he wanted them to do, he also strengthened them to do it. And I, I love this about God. He's not just like that person who sits on the couch barking out commands and says, get to it, you do it. Oh, I'm not going to do it, but you do it. No, God strengthens us as well. I want to show you this from two verses in the New Testament. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do this is such a better mindset than what we often go through our life with. We often go through our lives thinking, oh, I'm bored. I don't know what I should do. I don't know if I have anything meaningful to do right now. I know I have to go over here and do this stuff, but I'm not really excited about it. How often do we go through life like that? As opposed to thinking about it in an Ephesians 2.10 sort of a way where God says to us that He has prepared things in advance for us to do. Think about that. Even today, God has prepared things for you to do. Meaningful, purposeful things for us to do. But He doesn't just tell us to do them. Look at this prayer in Hebrews 13. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing His will, and may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So God doesn't just tell us to do stuff. He wants to strengthen us, to equip us to do His will. And it says in there that we can pray that He would work in us what is pleasing to Him. I want to walk around with that mindset. Instead of this, I don't know what to do. I'm bored. I don't want to do that thing I'm supposed to do. I want to walk around like this and say, God, strengthen me for what you have for me to do. God's presence in the book of Haggai strengthened the people to do the work that he wanted them to do. Now think about this. I I mentioned last week that the people in 536 BC started to rebuild the temple, but then they stopped, and it wasn't until 16 years later when Haggai came and told them to start again. Why did they stop? Well, if you read Ezra 4, like I told you to do, uh, you would see that there were enemies around them that, that stopped them, that intimidated them, that even compelled them by force to stop building the temple. So the, the people looked at the problems around them and thought, okay, we're going to stop. Where should have their gaze gone? should have gone up to God, and if God wanted them to rebuild, it didn't matter who was against them. That, we sang that in the song today, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31 says exactly that. And you know what? There is an answer to that question. If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, People can be against us, but it doesn't matter. If God is with us, he can strengthen us to do what he calls us to do. And that's all the strength that we need. I want to encourage you with that. We may go through our lives feeling that lack of purpose or feeling like we're not equipped to do what God wants us to do. But the message from God is, I am with you. And that's not just a message for the people in Haggai's day. It's a message for us as well. Uh, let me show you another verse. Second Chronicles sixteen nine. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. So God is looking even now for the people whose hearts are fully committed to them. And what will He do when He finds them? He will strengthen those people. Remember the truth of the temple is that God longs to be with us. I would say that God's presence with us is the biggest blessing in the Bible. Whether you think about that right now, I can have a relationship with God right now, or whether you think about eternity, I can spend eternity in God's presence. That is the biggest blessing in the Bible, God with us. I started to make a list this week of all the verses in the Bible in which we see the promise of God with us, but I stopped because there were so many. Let me just remind you of two really important ones, though. Matthew one twenty three, a Christmas verse. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's why God sent Jesus. So that God could be with us. Not that God would be against us. Not that God would be distant from us. But that he would be with us. And that happens through Jesus. It also happens, God's presence with us, through the Holy Spirit. Look at what Jesus said in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. God's presence with us to strengthen us for all that he has for us. It is an amazing truth. It's the truth of the temple. And in the New Testament, we are the temple. God with us. So that we can confidently say what God desperately wants for us to know. God is with us. He wants us to be with Him forever. So what's our part? Our part is to obey Him. To fear Him and to get to work doing the things that he has asked us to do. But we don't do any of those things in our own power because it is is the power of God that strengthens us to do those very things. It comes from the heart of the God who loves us so deeply that he wants us to be with him. And this isn't just about tasks to do. It's not just about the physical process of rebuilding a temple. It is about a love relationship with the God who loves us. God's presence with his people. God longs to be with us. That was true in Haggai's day, and it's true today. So let's be people who seek God, who love him so much that we hear and obey, that we fear him enough to do the things that he has asked us to do. Let's trust that he will provide us with everything that we need. And knowing that he wants to be with us, let's enter into his presence regularly to let him do his wonderful work of transforming our hearts. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you want to be with us. That that was why you wanted the temple to be built, why you wanted it to be rebuilt. It's why you sent Jesus. It's why you send the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that we would be people who seek you, who regularly enter into your presence, And that when we're there, God, that you would transform our hearts. But God, when we hear from you in your presence, in your word, wherever you speak to us, we pray that we would be people who not only hear but also obey. And we pray that that would come from hearts who fear you, who respect you and honor you enough to know that we want to obey. And God, would you strengthen us to get to work doing the things that you want us to do. God, help us to remember that this all comes from your heart of wanting to be with us. So we praise you, God, for Emmanuel. We praise you for the Holy Spirit. We praise you that as your children we can be with you forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.